Hello there, this is Daniel Hodge, and I play Darth Malak and Kendris in Unreal Cinema's Knights of the Old Republic series. This is the Old Republic Podcast. Be sure to check out their Patreon at www.patreon.com slash oldrepublicpodcast. Hello there. Welcome to Inspired a Galaxy. In this segment of the ORP, we discuss the artists and stories that inspired us and hope that they inspire you. And now, we present the episode. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very special edition of Inspired a Galaxy. Uh, today, Cassie and I are going to be talking about the uh, the world of Pandora, uh, as we both have had a chance to go see Avatar 2 now and uh, wanted a chance to, to talk about it, you know, uh, taking a little break from the Star Wars action to dig into another franchise that we uh, both feel um, deserves, you know, deserves uh, some of our attention, some of everyone's attention, probably. But how are you doing, Cassia? Hey, I'm doing pretty well. Today I'm drinking water in honor of the way of water. Excellent, excellent. That is always a good choice. Uh, make sure you stay hydrated out there. Uh, that's a good uh, New Year's resolution as we're just turning over uh, the page into 2023 here. So uh, like I mentioned, today we're going to be talking a little bit about Avatar um, and then the sequel Avatar The Way of Water, which just came out a couple of weeks ago on December 16th of 2022. It's already uh, up into the top 10 of worldwide box office results uh, for all time. So kudos to uh, Mr. Cameron on that uh, distinction, having hold down the uh, first spot with the original Avatar, uh, which came out back in 2009. So, um, Cassie, I guess to get into Avatar a little bit, let's, uh, you know, let, let's go back to that time. 2009, Avatar, was that something that you went and saw? Were you excited about it? Did you like the story or did you not watch it at all? What was your kind of introduction to James Cameron's uh, world of Avatar? I was curious about it because everyone was talking about Avatar in, like, the lead-up to 2009, and mm -hmm. um, it just seemed to have some really good trailers, and it, it came from James Cameron, who released a lot of cool movies, a lot of which I hadn't seen then, but I had seen Titanic, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. So... I was like, I was curious. I ended up seeing it in theaters, and um, the effects were great. I saw it in 3D, um, but I was like, this story is, is kind of weak, but I know that everyone was really excited to uh, get Avatar on DVD, and I think Blu-ray existed then. Um, and, like, when you walked into a Best Buy, like, when it was released, uh, just, like, every screen was Avatar for a mm -hmm. while. Um, yeah. So, so that's what I remember. What about you? Yeah, so, um, like I said, Avatar it came out in uh, 2009, and I'd been a pretty big fan of James Cameron. Um, you know, he directed uh, Titanic, you know, just a, a few years uh you know, prior uh, well, a few years about a about a decade prior to that, um, you know, and kind of got all of the all of the awards and the accolades, and you know that had made all of the money, but had also you know directed um, one of my favorite films, Terminator Two, um, The Abyss, Aliens, uh, stuff like that. So I was kind of interested in it just from from that standpoint because I really liked uh, James Cameron's kind of methods of storytelling and uh, his visual storytelling and 
uh, kind of the, these worlds um, and situations that he created. So I was interested from it from that standpoint. And then also, you know, you had kind of this new uh, technology and 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 the way that it wasn't new at all. 3D, you know, films and TV and images had, you know, been around for a long time, but to use them kind of in this uh, fashion was really kind of unique and, you know, really kind of created a stir. I remember, yeah, you'd go into Best Buy and every TV then was uh, 3D and every movie was coming out in 3D, uh, whether it needed to be or not to kind of carry on that. But uh, yeah, I was very excited for it. Everyone in the world saw it. Uh, it made, you know, close to $3 billion. I actually was in London visiting some friends uh, and went and saw it there, uh, kind of its uh, first week that it was out um, over there. So um, yeah, it was just, it was a story that I liked and a world that I liked by a director that I liked. And you, you know, you had kind of the the people that would naysay it and say, you know, it was kind of this, the simple story or, it, you know, wrote off the back of other stories and things. And, uh, I never really, you know, took too much to heart with that. And we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, Avatar and, uh, Star Wars here kind of at the end. So I'll save my thoughts, um, kind of on the, uh, similarities there and, uh, those releases for that. But, you know, in terms of my kind of first experience, uh, getting into Avatar, um, it was that, and then, you know, 13, 13 years on, you know, it wasn't really something I thought about. Uh, James Cameron had talked about, you know, how he was going to be doing this whole, you know, trilogy or quadrilogy or, or you know, five movies or, you know, it keeps all, this, all this stuff. It, keep, it keeps growing. It, keep, it kept growing and it was always something he was going to do. And, uh, you know, he basically stepped away from directing to work on this. But, you know, I think that myself and I think, you know, at least a lot of people probably just kind of, you know, didn't forget about the world of Pandora completely, but, you know, you just didn't, didn't think about it, right? 13 years is a long time to, to go from one to the next. So, uh, now that this new one was, uh, coming out, it kind of rekindled my interest. And as we got closer and closer to the release, I just got more and more, um, kind of excited about going to see it and seeing, uh, how it looked. And that's kind of how I came into seeing the second Avatar. Uh, but what about you, Cassia? How did you go from, you know, 2009, uh, that first film to 2020? Uh, two twenty three, seeing uh, the second uh, version of Pandora now. I think I kind of became like, I kind of rode the mainstream wave of being like, Avatar's overrated, like it has a weak story, does it have any lasting legacy? But uh, once I saw like the previews for The Way of Water, I was like, this looks really amazing for visually i i'm at least gonna want to see it on imax 3d and mm-hmm. um then i ended up seeing it and like i i kind of thought it was the first um the first of something new i remember in episode i think it was 120 we were kind of talking about like how stories will evolve with chris vogler and we were um kind of talking about like how everything is a mini series nowadays and it's kind of long and like movies are getting longer. Um, and I was like the way of water, like kind of seems to be something different. Like the avatar saga, I think will kind of focus on the Sully family and like, it's going to be longer form storytelling, which I think, um, a lot of movie series and studios are kind of avoiding right now. Um, Mm -hmm. and if they are connected, it's usually like them trying to be the MCU or they are the MCU, you know? So they're kind of connected through cameos or, um, 
kind of a brand, but I just found it uh, interesting and, like, even though none of them are humans, uh, a very human story. Um, so uh, The Way of Water kind of became a little bit of a hyperfixation, and then um, I just thought there were pros and cons, like, to that movie and, like, the whole Avatar series, and I thought it would be interesting to talk about. Yeah, definitely. Um, it is kind of a more um, isolated uh, family type of a story, right? And so we get into the the story of Avatar, The Way of Water, and, you know, it, it kind of picks up, um, you know, in, in real time, right? It's been 13 years uh, in Pandora, too. So you have, you know, Jake Sully has his uh, family now. It's been uh, 13 years and has some kids. So it's really kind of an exploration of, you know, the the ripple effects, I guess, of the first Avatar. Um, and this movie just kind of jumps into, you know, what that means for Jake Sully and his family as they have to, you know, flee out of the uh, kind of more jungle regions of Pandora and out to the, you know, aquatic regions of Pandora to to kind of hide and, you know, to to get some safety for uh, their old clan um, and meet up with a uh, new clan. So, um, yeah, it's kind of interesting in, in the fact that, you know, James Cameron basically used the first film as the, as this, you know, kind of world building uh, medium here for the second. It didn't really, you know, get into that. If you go back and you rewatch the first Avatar, they, you know, he spends a lot of time saying, this is what Pandora is. And these are um, who the Navi are. And this is how avatars work. And this is how we can breathe and do all these things right in this world. So you don't have to spend any time doing that in the second film. Uh, which, which is really that impressive that the second film goes on to be, you know, just shy of uh, three hours and uh, 20 minutes long, you know, without yeah. having to do any of that explanation. It, you know, just, you know, fills up that, that whole time with just this uh, visual uh, magic trick that uh, James Cameron's able to, to pull off. As it's telling, you know, a pretty small story, but the scope of that story is really big and grand. Yeah, and... Uh... I had lots of thoughts about it, you had lots of thoughts, and uh, what I ended up asking uh, some patrons and uh, friends was, uh, I'm recording a podcast on what Star Wars can learn from James Cameron's Avatar. I was wondering, what do you like or dislike about James Cameron's Avatar series? What do you think Star Wars could learn from the Avatar series, or should it be the other way around? Uh, and then I ended up getting some responses and we can, uh, kind of go over them. Cause I think we got like, uh, some people who really like Avatar, some that are mm -hmm. kind of mid and then some that kind of have some criticisms. Um, right. mm -hmm. and then, uh, we'll give our thoughts and cause like, I think like this won't be like just a straight up what av what Star Wars can learn from Avatar, but like maybe like more of like Star Wars and Avatar comparison, or maybe we can even be cute and say like Star Wars <laughs> and Avatar. I see you, you know. I see you. Yeah, there yeah. you go. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, we can use the uh, the Navi saying there. Um, yeah. So let's uh, we'll kind of run through these here. So, um, uh, Lord from our Patreon. Um, which, uh, if you want to get on, on our Patreon, uh, we got a lot of fun stuff going over on there. It's patreon.com slash older public podcast. But Lorg says, uh, that the pros for Avatar were, uh, that Cameron had planned the sequels to make a continuous story that is congruent, 
the visuals and the thematic storytelling was good. Um, the cons were, I uh, felt this characters were uh, weak. It's hard to tell the difference between Jake Sully's uh, children in the movie, and the general ca characters were one-dimensional. The villain was just wasting millions of dollars on revenge. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, and then it goes on to kind of compare uh, what Star Wars could learn from Avatar is to plan the series into more con more connective series and let the creator's vision uh, prevail. And uh, what about uh, the other way around there? Uh, what Avatar could learn for Star Wars is to make more compelling characters and tell a story in under three hours. So uh, there you go. That is, uh, Lorg, thank you uh, for your contribution there. Uh, what do you got, Cassia? Um... There's something that in me that just agrees that, like, anything over 90 minutes is, like, a failure, but then also, like, I ended up enjoying, like, Avatar and Avatar The Way of Water, uh, even mm -hmm. though they're kind of longer movies, and Titanic is, like, three hours plus, you know? Sometimes you need more time to tell a story, so... um I do think, like, having um, kind of, like, a really, like, an outline, uh, because I think they thought about, like, there's been a gap between Avatar and what would have been the sequel. Like, they really wanted to make sure they got the story right. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I think the story was much stronger. Story and characters were much stronger in The Way of Water. And, like, from what I hear about the the plans for the series, it sounds like they really thought about, like, what steps to take. Like, it sounds like they were trying to make movies two and three into one movie, and once they kind of stepped back uh, because it wasn't working and realized those needed to be avatar two and three it ended up working right. better mm -hmm. and sure. if you kind of listen to like um some of like the interviews that james cameron is giving like he like in avatar three is like gonna focus on the ash people and like some of the negative uh like traits of the navi uh in the next one and like in the fifth one, like, they're gonna go to Earth, you know, and you're gonna see that the planet's dying, and you're gonna kind of see it through Natiri's eyes, like, she just kind of just sees the RDA and, like, uh, colonizers on her world, but, um, I think she kind of sees, like, these people are, are dying and they're not all evil, you know, so. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think there is, uh, you know, kind of something to be said for, you know, kind of the, the connectivity of it. And I think that that works in its favor if you're telling one kind of singular story. Um, but I mean, we even have kind of examples of that within uh, Star Wars, right? So you have the original trilogy, obviously, you know, Star Wars A New Hope written and directed by uh, George Lucas. But then you had, um, you had other writers and other directors coming on board to do, um, you know, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Um, and then... You know, converse to that, you have something like the prequel trilogy that were all written and directed uh, by George Lucas. So um, you kind of get, you know, the difference in, in the way that both of those feel uh, just within the Star Wars world. Now, I think that, you know, planning something out and having a long connectivity um, is something that you can really only do if you're really going to, 
you know, pin down, you know, one or two, one or two directors or one or two writers to write the whole thing. Cause it's hard to do that, um, with different directors because everyone has kind of their own creative visions and how they would handle things and, you know, the way they see things and, and things like that. So I think that, you know, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword, um, whether you're going to be able to, to do that and have this long linear, uh, connectivity as you, as you tell a story. But I think that, yeah, definitely could, uh, plan ahead probably a little bit better. Um, really just kind of in terms of, uh, of anything. And we even see, you know, something that was as planned out and tightly knit as, you know, the Marvel series up through, through the Avengers. And then, you know, eventually even something, you know, the juggernaut of that can kind of run out of steam to that sense. So yeah, I think there's definitely some, some room for some more planning, but, uh, we see kind of instances where that, you know, really succeeds and, uh, you know, and people really try to do it and it still, uh, comes up a little bit short too. Yeah. And then I ended up asking, uh, Al, who is the host of the podcast, The Movies That Move Us, I actually was on it to talk about the movie Alpha, which everyone should see, and I love it, but, um... <laughs> Absolutely. What Al, yeah. Uh, what Al says is, oh dang, that's a good topic. They both have much to learn about each other. And he says, Star Wars should have more time just to vibe in their universes and beautifully explore them. And... They should also go more granular with their ecosystems. And if you're like me, I had to Google what granular meant. Um, mm. And in case you're wondering, granular on dictionary.com um, or actually merriamwebster.com, it uh, consists or appearing to consist of granules, grainy, finely detailed. So, you know, like in Star Wars, how like, kind of like all of the planet is one biome, and like basically mm -hmm. if the Empire takes over one city, um, they've taken over the planet. I kind of think uh, Star Wars, like, I mean, that's kind of the allure of Star Wars in a way, is like galaxy hopping, getting blasters out, lightsabers out. But do you think there's room for um, kind of just beautifully exploring one ecosystem and like kind of seeing more diversity in it? Um, I think that there certainly is uh, possibilities for that. Um, um, you know, as we'll, as we'll see as the the universe of star Wars kind of keeps expanding. It seems like even, you know, within the new, uh, you know, worlds of star Wars, the high Republic, um, the Mandalorian and, you know, things like that. We're still going to planets that have, we've never talked about in star Wars before, but um, that was kind of in George's, I guess, kind of vision of star Wars is that there was, you know, a, a desert planet and a snow planet and a forest planet and a city planet, <laughs> right? So that was kind of how Star Wars was structured to begin with. Um, so I don't know if we'll see that kind of carry on, if we'll see a little bit more exploration of, you know, each of these uh, different kind of biomes from planet to planet. But um, I think there certainly is some some room for that to do a little bit more exploration and a little bit more uh, 
I don't know, kind of archaeology of uh, systems uh, as we go through Star Wars. And I think that that's probably something that we'll uh, see as these stories kind of keep continuing because um, eventually someone's going to want to tell a Star Wars story that's a little bit more isolated, but still, you know, needs some feelings of difference in the the way that the, the planet looks and feels, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so here's the response that we got on Discord. Um, so let's see, my basic take on the Avatar series so far is that while the visuals are indeed incredible, fact, the plot in both movies is bland and cliche. Uh, James Cameron may be an innovator, but he could do better in the actual story department. Here's what Avatar can learn from Star Wars, but I worry they aren't going to listen. <laughs> Don't oversaturate the market. Avatar 1 was good because it was different and innovative. Avatar 2 has benefited because of the 15-year nostalgia weight. But if Star Wars has taught us anything, it's too much of a thing, makes the spectacle less spectacular. Uh, so what do you think about that, Cassio? What do you think about kind of the, the long layoff? Is it is it warranted? Is it needed sometimes? What do you think? Um, I think the, the long gap between Avatar in some ways kind of hurt it because no one was really talking about Avatar like for a few years there, but um, I think it also kind of helped because the market wasn't oversaturated with, like, uh, TV shows about Avatar um, or, like, with, like, five sequels to Avatar, you know? Like, mm -hmm. I love parts of the MCU, but sometimes it just feels like there's no room to breathe and they're just releasing like content that overlaps and kind of cannibalizes on it itself, you know? And, uh, it, it was kind of nice just to have an, a new story 15 years later. And part of that gap was just, uh, so they're able to get the technology to do mocap in water and like, uh, make it easier for them to, to film doing mocap and 3D on the level that they want to do to mm -hmm. uh, improve the the graphics and everything, so it it kind of happened, and in some ways I think it kind of made it um, kind of like a a stronger debut for that weight, but. Uh, what do you think? Um, I think that the the layoff, yeah, is is both good um, and bad. Um, one of the, one of the things, if you if you go to go to Twitter and type in Star Wars, you're gonna see a lot of people complaining that there hasn't been a Star Wars movie uh, since Rise of the Skywalker or Rise of the Sky Rise of Skywalker. Um, and uh, that's fair, I guess. Um, that came out in uh, 2000. 19 so it's just been uh three years um i'm old enough to remember when star wars took a 16 year layoff between uh return of the jedi and uh episode one uh coming out and then a 12 year layoff between you know episode three and episode uh seven coming out so um certainly i think that that is kind of good um but also kind of bad you don't want to wait uh that long um but yeah i kind of do agree that if you have uh, too much of it, it does, it has the the tendency to make it feel a little less, like, important to see. When you have, you know, kind of a big banner movie coming out, you know, every three, four, or five years, like, that feels important. Um, 
but you, you know you kind of hit the nail on the head there with with marvel you know and that first you know started coming out onto disney plus you know you had wandavision and everyone was watching that and talking about it and then you know you had Falcon and the Winter Soldier and um, She-Hulk and all this stuff just started coming out. And eventually you get to a point you're like, it doesn't feel as important to watch all of this stuff because there's there's so much of it and you don't have enough time to dedicate to it. And I think you do kind of run the risk of that, especially, you know, as Disney Plus is, you know, really kind of jam packed full of uh, just content all the time. So, yeah, I think that there's definitely some merit to slowing things down a little bit, um, you know, to you know, just to allow people to kind of catch their breath and make everything feel more kind of important and impactful uh, for the story. So, yeah. And then let me, oh, and that, uh, and that came from impeccably dressed Nikolai Tesla. Is it Nikolai or Nikola? <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. You, you tell us, let us know uh, which one is right there, uh, impeccably dressed. Uh, but thank you for your uh, your feedback on there. Yeah, some good some uh, good comments there. Yeah, and then um, my friend Ian, who uh, kind of told me about the Star Wars pattern, uh, Star Wars trilogy pattern that I've kind of mentioned on and off on the podcast. Um, he said that Flato Avatar should learn from Star Wars. Avatar doesn't understand archetypes. It doesn't understand the purpose of the heroic journey, that there needs to be a formidable destination that's enormously compelling to any outsider. It may try to establish a solid villainy pit up against goodness, but it's not a villainy that contradicts the deep-down humanity that people forget. Essentially, Avatar is just a hateful letter to the human race, so there's not a strong enough connection to reality, at least for me. And then, um, before we dive into your thoughts, I responded, um, I saw it more as an anti-imperialist, colonialist message, but I can, I can see your angle. And he said, well, I understand your interpretation as well. I think it's definitely more accurate than mine, but a lot of my problem with it, especially in the sequel, is that he completely rejects the human race. Uh, heck, even Cameron has no interest in showing as truly redeemable sides uh, of humans unless they are connected to the Navi. But, uh, I mean, we are gonna, in Avatar 3, kind of see, like, some of the less peaceful Navi, and then later on in the series we'll go to Earth and uh, empathize more with the humans, but what do you think? Yeah, so I think that if you if you look at, you know, Avatar, the first film, I think that, um, you know, kind of those archetypes are built as we're just kind of exploring, you know, kind of this first sort of, you know, settlement that's coming to uh, the planet of Pandora. And I guess the second one you could, I suppose, make that argument if you look at two as a standalone film, which I guess we're kind of having to do because that's, you know, the only one that's that's out now. But I think that a lot of that is going to be uh, uh, resolved through kind of the remaining storytelling. It's almost like if you were to take, you know, just the first book or the first movie uh, from Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, uh, you kind of kind of get that same thing, right? You don't really understand the the full complexities of of the villains and uh, what's what's really kind of happening 
you know, uh, there in that story too. So I think that that stuff is going to kind of play itself out as we learn a little bit more. And there actually, I think, is an extended uh, version of Avatar. Um, you can get it on you know, Blu-ray or uh, whatever have you, um, that actually does show some stuff that was cut about going back to Earth. And I think that that was probably cut because uh, Cameron wanted to... see Pandora. (laughs) Because people wanted to see Pandora. And I think think that Cameron knew that eventually he would be going back to show it and it might be more impactful later in the story. And I think that might be um, part of the reason why that got cut. But I think that we will kind of explore those things. So you know, eventually, and, you know, this is, this is putting a lot of, you know, faith into the, the storytelling of James Cameron, but I think that we'll probably get this fully fleshed out sort of story as, you know, we go through and, and, you know, finish off uh, the Avatar series. Yeah. And I didn't quite see it as like a hateful letter to humanity, but, um, I just kind of more saw it as like, like I said, like anti-colonialism, imperialism. I mean, Mm -hmm. Jake does end up becoming a Navi, but um, I think it's so he can um, begin his family with Neytiri, like, so they can be more connected. But if you have any differing thoughts, let us know in the comments down below. (laughs) For sure, for sure. Um, so we got one more, um, or I have one more uh, here from our Discord, and RNRD uh, Joe Man says uh, that uh, you know Avatar could learn from Star Wars. So Avatar needs to be driven more by complex characters making choices instead of cool tech demos of a beautiful world. I still had a blast watching the new one though. And then uh, Marcus replied uh, to that actually, and it says, "I don't know about that." Yeah, sure, we have this new groundbreaking tech, but there are complicated characters like Jake's daughter um, in touch with the Ewa, and sometimes simplicity is better than overcomplication. Um, and I, um, I kind of, I kind of agree with uh, Marcus there. Um, first of all, calling <laughs> calling that three-hour spectacle uh, that I just saw on the IMAX 3D screen a tech demo, I think is a little oversimplifying <laughs> what, what happens. Um, but you know, gotta take that with a grain of salt. But I think that, that yeah, they are they are simple stories, and I think that that's okay. Um, you know, simple stories and these story structures and these story tropes have you know existed for thousands of years and have been retold in different ways, you know, an uncountable number of times. And I think that that's, that's perfectly fine. I don't think you need to have things that are overly convoluted, especially in the world of science fiction, where oftentimes having a complicated story can really get in the way and really kind of hinder your enjoyment and hinder the storyteller's ability to tell a good story if you get too bogged down um, in these details. Now, I... Uh, would I say that the stories are, you know, overly simplistic? No, I think that they kind of kind of serve serve the story and really, you know, cool tech demo, um, you know, is is what's on display. You don't want the you don't want the story to get in the way of what you're trying to do visually uh, within this world. So I think that kind of that was that was part of it, and I think that it's just kind of, you know, Cameron's storytelling style. You could look at any of his films, really. Um, you know, has the biggest blockbusters of all time, but, you know, the stories are not the most complicated and convoluted. They're all pretty uh, straightforward. Terminator 2, The Abyss, um, you know, Aliens, they're they're not these uh, 
these big, complicated uh, things. And that's why I think that they're so easy for people to grasp a hold of and enjoy them the way that they do. Yeah. And I mean, simple and complicated is a subjective uh, interpretation sometimes. Um, and like finding the right balance, because sometimes you don't want stories to be so obvious. Uh, but I just remember seeing Tenet and like, I think I understood it, but could I explain it? Not really. So probably I don't understand it. Like you want the mainstream to be able to get behind your story. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so I think James Cameron balances it well, uh, more so in the second one rather than the first one, or at least the, the version we saw in theaters. Um, cause I forget that there are deleted scenes and, and all that, but, um, yeah, that, that's kind of what I think. Yeah, for sure. And then I talked to my friend, uh, Amy, we're big into movies and we always send each other reviews and nerd out about movies. And she said, cool, hmm, I'm probably unqualified to answer, but I dislike how long it took for him to make the series. Well, I think it's a technical marvel. I expected more from the story taking that long. I like the second one better. I like the family emphasis. I like that they have their own language. I like the inventiveness of Pandora. I didn't like that they came and put the water people in complete danger. Uh, the villains are pretty stereotypical. This may sound weird. I hope they learn little from each other. I hope they don't replicate each other, stay very distinctively their own thing. So what do you think about that? Okay. Yeah, no, that's that's fair, definitely. And and they're they're very different worlds. Um one of the <laughs> but I do I do think that they uh, kind of I don't I don't wanna say take a lot of inspiration from each other, but um and one of the things I was going to kind of talk about is we got into our own kind of thoughts is Avatar seems like something that George Lucas would really like. <laughs> yeah, I, I could just I could just imagine him uh, loving uh, these stories. But yeah, I, you know, you know, keep stuff, keep stuff separate. And I don't really like to, you know, get into, you know, every, you know, all these things should, you know, try to piggyback off of off of each other. It's really just kind of a exploration of, you know, what does this do well and what do we wish, you know, it did better and, you know, vice versa, uh, things like that. Um, I, I do agree. I do agree with the fact I didn't like that. I uh, went to the, went to the water uh, villages there and, and took that war to it. But that's kind of the, the story trope that we were going to is that uh, war is coming uh, to your doorstep, whether you want it to or not. Um, which is, you know, something we've been exploring, um, you know, recently in Star Wars with Andor and um, in the Bad Batch, right, is that, you know, the uh, Empire is coming now, whether you're going to, you know, acknowledge it or not, you know, until it's until it's too late. And that's kind of the same story that we're given here in Avatar, A Way of Water. And yeah, you know, Jake Sully and his family, you know, did put them in danger, but but really they're in danger because the Sky People are we're coming and they're going to take over this planet anyways. So, you know, whether Jake Sully got there with his family or not, you know, that war was still coming, uh, to their doorstep. Um, so, uh, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm, I, yeah, obviously don't want to, <laughs> don't want the people to be fighting, but I think that was just kind of, kind of the storytelling, uh, trope that, uh, Cameron was going for and that, but, but yeah, keep things separate. And I mean, I think one of the things that I, one of my favorite, 
aspects of Avatar is that it is kind of its own thing. It's self-contained, you know, it's, it doesn't have to have three post-credit scenes to get us wound up for the next, you know, slew of Marvel films that's uh, coming out. And it's not, you know, trying to connect all of uh, these other series and uh, get some sort of uh, Avatar canon uh, going, so to speak. So uh, that's kind of what I think about uh, that stuff there. But uh, what about you? Anything uh, additional to add or? I did watch uh, The Way of Water a second time, and I think that um, Kortrich kind of had a singular mission. He was going to find the Sully clan no matter what, but I think uh, what tipped them off is when Kiri ended up having a seizure. Norm uh, and his crew came to check on her, and they tracked that to the water clans. Um, mm-hmm. so that's how they ended up figuring out, like, uh, that the Solis were, were with the water people, um, which is like a storytelling, you know, kind of conceit, but, um, cause like when I first watched it, I thought like they just tracked them, but it was because they were tracking Norm. Um, right. mm-hmm. so I, I mean, they kind of did endanger them. Like, maybe they could have gone to, like, does Pandora have a North Pole? I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe that will happen later on in the series. But um, it, it's hard when, like, uh, Kortrich is, like, reborn as a Navi. And he has his singular mission to avenge his, his death. You know, so, yeah. Yep. Um, let's see. So we've got, uh, so our friend uh, Marcus from Hollow Chronicles of a Jedi, uh, if you've listened to the pod uh, for very long, you're uh, well familiar with uh, Marcus, but he sent us over a wee bit of a novel. So we're going to kind of break this up into a couple of sections here. Uh, Cassia, let's go through this one. So uh, what does Marcus say? He says, what can Star Wars learn from Avatar? It's quite simple. World building family and emotional dynamics, exploration, and good storytelling. Right now, I believe Star Wars is on its bumpy path to something massive, and it's going to take some time to get there. Mandalorian being the flagship of understanding the galaxy George Lucas created, and Andor being the shining beacon of what great writing looks and sounds like. What James Cameron has done is come in with an original vision that may borrow story elements from other classic tales of growth and spirituality and made something that showcases the reason of why we go to the movies. He crafted a new, original world that is yet to even be completely explored, and the stories aren't overly reaching to be profound and complicated. Uh, so what do you think, Cassia? So uh, world building, um, you know, what do we what do we have world building wise in Avatar? Um, what do we have right now world building wise in Star Wars? Um, and uh, where do you think we can go? I think kind of looking back, the prequels had some of the best world building in Star Wars. And sometimes uh, the details weren't always like explicitly in the script. I mean, if you look at Utapau in Revenge of the Sith, like, it's a planet full of sinkholes, and, like, some of the, uh, natives live, like, on the upper levels, some live on the lower levels, you know, and they're kind of separated that way, and it kind of seems like, uh, they have their whole society built around it, you know, and Coruscant, man, um, I thought there was some pretty good world building uh, throughout the prequel trilogies with Coruscant. And while uh, the sequel trilogies, like, had some 
really incredible looking worlds. Like I was kind of like when I was watching Rise of Skywalker, I'm like, so this is um, this planet is called Exegol. Yeah, it's it's Exegol. And I'm like, why is it so blue? I can't see anything, <laughs> you know, Uh and I'm like, is it a Sith world? You know, like, is that a chorus in the background I can see? Are they doing Gregorian Sith chants? And yeah. <laughs> I was kind of just like, I don't know. And does the writer know? Maybe, you know, but. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. I, yeah, that's that's fair, I guess, to an extent. Um, I think that, you know, right after the prequels or the original trilogy would have come out to you would have said the same place about or the same thing about those places but they have the benefit of you know 20 30 years of additional uh source sources you know books and comics and <laughs> cartoons and you know all sorts of other things that explore those uh planets and those biomes to really kind of make them feel more fleshed out than they do in just the movies if you're just looking at it you know kind of on on that stance but yeah i think you know world building is something that that is kind of important, you know, we make the joke a lot that, you know, it's time to head back to Tatooine again, you know, for yeah. the, for the hundredth <laughs> time. But I think that, I think that the world building is getting, um, a, a little bit bigger and I think that it will help, like I said, as we get more kind of supplemental materials to go along and really feel like these places are, are more fleshed out. And we're seeing if, you, if you're not reading, you know, the High Republic, there's a bunch of, uh, world building stuff that's going on. Uh, within that too and we'll see kind of what that leads to down the road in terms of uh, live action stuff with the acolyte or any potential movies or games or anything else that we might be getting uh, from that stuff there in terms of the uh, world building um let's see here i can continue yeah so uh cassie why don't you uh, uh carry on with uh marcus's uh Star Wars is the OG when it comes to world building, but since George has left the franchise, the galaxy has become a bit smaller with new every new entry. Sure, I'd love seeing characters I grew up with handled correctly. An example, Luke Skywalker in Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, or characters that still have a life to live and a story to tell. An example, Ahsoka and the rest of the Phoenix Squadron. The most important thing is that there needs to be a planet that isn't captured or destroyed with one city. Hell, there are three cities on Tatooine alone. I would love to see a Star Wars story that is set on one planet and we get to see the different regions of it. Should I continue or okay. did you want to talk? Um, no, and yeah, that kind of that kind of echoes that other statement, right, of uh, just doing a little bit more of a deep dive um, exploration on a single place. So, uh, yeah, maybe that's something we'll get to see in the future. I don't know. Yeah, I hope. And then secondly, I would love to see a family relationship or drama within the franchise again. Bad Batch or Rebels do and don't count. They're both crews that become a family, but I want something as dynamic and powerful as, as the Sully family that we saw in The Way of Water. Show me a family in the universe that has children learning to live in a new society governed by the Empire First Order, or even go back to the days of the Republic when the Separatists were rising. Maybe do a story that is disconnected with all of that and make it about a planet that is like what Tarkin said in A New Hope, the regional governors now have direct control over their territories. Show me more of that. Give me more of what Andor did. And then he goes on to say, I've rambled on long enough. 
I believe in closing the ability to stick to a new planet and explore its regions, learn the social, political, and maybe economic lifestyles, the different type of people in every region, and even the creatures native to that planet. And finally, the family aspect of Avatar could all be something Star Wars could learn to explore more in the future and branch out of just Jedi, Sith, and Mandalorians. Which is kind of funny because Star Wars didn't really begin as a family saga, but it became one. And mm-hmm. then Star Wars kind of uh, is more focusing on found family, I guess. Yeah, yeah, really. Uh, I I don't disagree with uh, kind of those statements from just a, a straight storytelling uh, perspective, but that does kind of erase a little bit of what Star Wars is. <laughs> Star Wars is kind of more of this uh, found family uh, type of story, you know, um, and, you know, that story revolves to tell us, you know, tales of uh, Jedi and, and Sith and, you know, kind of kind of those people so that's that's i think fundamentally what star wars is um and yeah you, you know so i mean you could look you could look at something like andor which is which is brilliant and i absolutely loved it but um it was very different than what i think of when i think of a star wars <laughs> tale right you know because yeah. it, it kind of it kind of lacks some of that stuff um now does that mean that there isn't room to to explore kind of you know, more, more family type of dynamics within Star Wars. Um, I think that certainly, um, that's a possibility and, uh, maybe that's something that we'll have, uh, now going forward. Right. Um, you know, Luke has, you know, kind of laid that all to bear for, uh, Ray and the sequel trilogy, right. Is that the, the Jedi were, you know, <laughs> basically kind of the, their own worst enemy, you know, caused their own own demise with their hubris and stuff. And maybe that, you know, is going to change the way that the Jedi can can act and behave and, you know, uh, you know, explore the galaxy going forward. Maybe it's not this thing where you're uh, ripped from your parents at a young age and sent off to train and, uh, yeah. you know, are never allowed to have any attachments. Maybe maybe that changes now. Maybe that was kind of the you know, the ultimate, uh, sort of lesson that Luke taught Ray, and we'll see some of that stuff going, uh, more forward. And we do see some of that stuff, um, bring it up again, the, uh, the High Republic, you see, you see a lot more, um, sort of relationships and things, um, like that. So really it just kind of was in the, uh, prequel era of the, uh, Jedi there where it started to take kind of its, uh, ultimate downturn. But, uh, what do you think? Any other kind of thoughts on, uh, what Marcus had to say there, Cassian? Yeah, I mean, sometimes we would like to see some changes in, like, whether it be Avatar or Star Trek or Star Wars, Um, but, like, sometimes if you kind of change them too much and try to, like, insert some some of what you like about, like, Dune or, or Avatar or Game of Thrones into a certain series, it kind of just becomes, like a little bit of an imitation rather than like its own series, its own original series. So I guess it's a balance, but, um, I'm not saying like, I'd want like found families to discontinue cause that is kind of what Star Wars is about, but it also was like a family saga and maybe mm-hmm. there could be a new family like the Shan clan or a new as of unwritten family, you know, yeah. uh, in the future. And 
maybe kind of uh, take some uh, take some hints from from Andor, kind of make it feel a little bit more developed uh, in the planets and like how the Empire manages them, but. It's always down to subjective opinion, you know, like how well or not well uh, uh, franchises are handled, I guess. Right. Yeah. And, you know, kind of at the at the heart of it, Star Wars is or at least it always, you know, had been, you know, aimed at aimed at kids. Right. It was, mm-hmm. you know, the kind of movie that, um, you know, George Lucas wanted to tell, you know, for kids when he, when he wrote a new hope and that was kind of always what it was aimed at. So, um, so really as, as you get older, think of, you know, what a, what a young, you know, eight, 10, 12 year old, uh, version of yourself would have liked to see. And maybe that's, uh, that's kind of the ultimate uh, take on that there. So, um, yeah. So, and then I asked, uh, on Instagram if anyone had some feedback and I got a little bit of a response here. Um, so our friend of the pod, Bobby Frick, um, says he might have liked the movie a little bit more if it was 20 or 30 minutes shorter. The end <laughs> felt like a long slog. Uh, I don't know. Ag- agree to disagree. Uh, it was maybe a little long. Maybe there were a couple of moments in kind of that final uh, final closing act that I said this should be winding down. But I didn't care. It was so much fun to watch. I was okay with it. Um, and then let's see. Hooney uh, says um, he's interested to hear our thoughts. So here you go, Hooney. I hope you've liked our thoughts so far. We're going to have some closing thoughts here uh, shortly. Uh, but he says that he's kind of boycotting it after what James Cameron decided to say about the Lakota Nation. Um, and it seems like uh, we'd really enjoyed it from the, the letterbox reviews. So, um, so yeah, unfortunately, uh, you know, that has uh, kind of that aspect of it as well, which I wasn't super familiar with. So I'm glad that Hooney uh, brought that to, you know, my attention so I can go back and uh, do a little bit of uh you know, research and, uh, learn and, uh, you know, see what is, uh, going on, going with that. So thanks, uh, Huni for your feedback and the chance to do a little bit of, uh, educating and, uh, learning. So thank you. Always, always good to hear from Huni. Yeah. And, uh, I was, I was gonna kind of like address that, but like in, uh, 2010, James Cameron, we won't repeat his words, but, um, he kind of made, um, I think, some wrong um, and insensitive comments, um, and they are worth addressing. And um, I think there are um, criticisms to to be had for the Avatar series. Like, I think it can. Um, um, it kind of addresses like uh uh the navi are kind of stand-ins for indigenous populations and you kind of see um uh the rda and humans kind of uh reenact like uh like the the takeover story and sometimes when you're creating like blue people you know it can dehumanize uh, actual indigenous populations around the world uh, and possibly, like, be triggering. And um, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot, maybe, if any, um, indigenous 
uh, writers. Um, there were more um, indigenous uh, people in the cast, but probably not uh, enough. Um, in the sequel, The Way of Water, we had um, Cliff Curtis um, portraying uh, Tonawari, and uh, he kind of inspired um, uh, the Sea Peoples. they kind of felt a little more authentic, kind of like uh, New Zealanders, Maori. And I think Star Wars needs to um, to have more indigenous um, collaborators and creatives behind the scenes, too. So, uh, more franchises, really. Um, because um, I think it is is important and uh brian and i are two white people but i'm but we're always trying to learn you know um Mm -hmm. i do think the avatar uh fan base represents themselves well um and it seems like they're very focused on the environment and um from what i could tell whenever there's like Navi language meetups, um, they always try to, uh, also pick up trash as well, and they try to, um, uh, like, when there's real-world, like, evictions, you know, like, happening around the world, like, kind of, like, that mirrored the, the fictional Avatar, um, story they try to bring awareness to them and raise money and uh not just have people you know enjoy a blue people story but try to uh turn it into a message a lifestyle you know so i do kind of have some issues with with avatar and um thank you for bringing that up if there's anything you feel like we missed the ball on please let us know and we'll address it, uh, in the future. So, and who needs thoughts kind of, uh, I kind of forgot I had some more thoughts from Al, uh, but they, but they kind of, um, made me think about, uh, kind of some of the criticisms, um, I have of Avatar. Um, cause I was telling him, like, I saw it on IMAX 3D and then 3D, I think the saga will be cool to see unfold as long-form storytelling. Um, Agreed, it's cool to see his passion and world-building. He's clearly invested in making the world very diverse and beautiful with a real ecosystem. Even if I think his actual Navi culture is a reductionist noble savage, and I said it is, um, but I think the best way forward is to have more indigenous creators and writers involved. And then I went on to say, like, I guess it can get people curious about environmentalism and indigenous issues. It can be a starter point, um, but it can't be just an end point. I think you have to care about the real world uh, and the people in it. And yeah, um, is there anything you think I should have brought up or did you have any any other uh, comments kind of? Uh, thinking about what Huni said. No, I think um, yeah, it's just it's important to to yeah to use kind of 
every um, opportunity that you get to, you know, kind of learn and, uh, you know, do some research and things. And like you said, Cassia, hopefully, um, you know, in, in terms of stories like this, if you're, you know, talking about um, indigenous you know, people in with within the world of Avatar. Hopefully, that that leads you then to go and do some exploration of you know indigenous people and in, and in our you know in the real world and uh, you know learn more of their stories and then hopefully yeah those stories are are being told and are getting input and uh, from you know the the people who are <laughs> meant to be represented by them. I think that that's uh, really important and you know the you know certainly Avatar is this kind of singular thing, but, you know, within, you know, the world of these, you know, bigger, more, you know, widespread franchises and your Star Wars and your uh, Marvel and your uh, DC uh, stories, hopefully that's, that's the case where they're bringing a lot of varied voices into the room. And that's, that's something that, uh, that everything can do better, you know, quite frankly. Yeah. And uh, it's, thanks for bringing that up. And, uh, like I said, if there's anything you think we missed the ball on, let us know and we'll uh, uh, try to uh, correct that. So, But I got a response from my brother. Um, and he says, I liked how immersed I felt in the new world of Pandora. It was truly unlike any other movie I had seen. I like that without watching the first movie in the last 10 years, I could pick up and understand what was going on. Maybe Star Wars could focus more on one family and how one event impacts all the family members in different ways like Avatar did. Um, and uh, like, I don't think I'd seen Avatar in like 10 years, but I kind of instantly was just back on Pandora with the Sully clan. So that mm -hmm. I think was a strength and, it seemed like uh, a lot of people who probably haven't seen Avatar as much, uh, you didn't have to be in the know uh, to understand what was going on. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I hadn't watched the first Avatar in, yeah, probably, I don't know, eight, eight years or so, uh, maybe, give or take. But yeah, you just kind of pick back up on it. And I guess that's that's one of the strengths of having a, a simpler story is that there's not so much stuff that you have to keep track of going from uh, one tale uh, to the next and with it being kind of this more isolated story you're not you know pulling from from other things that's one of the things that really <laughs> really kind of grinds my gears so to speak uh, with Marvel is that if you don't watch all of the things then you're missing uh, parts of the story and you know that's definitely not the case um, here with Avatar and you know to to the most part, I think within the world of Star Wars, I think that that's that's true. Now it's uh, going to run the risk of that not being the case. I think as we get more and more uh, content and stuff starts to overlap a little bit, but I hope I hope that it's never um, something to where you need to to see one to go into something else. Um, I like things to be you know kind of kind of contained. Certainly there can be some overlap, but I don't think that that should be you know necessary for you know getting getting the full value out of the story. Yeah. And then I think you have our last patron comment, and then we just have one more comment after that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we got uh, one more from uh, uh, Patreon here from uh, Minhaz. So uh, thank you very much for 
uh, sending this one our way. But in short, in my small opinion to what I know of Avatar from the first movie, is Star Wars is a much richer and deeper franchise with deep lore, philosophical conflictions, and characters than Avatar. Avatar's story is predictable and linear. It plays on the cliche and magnifies it with visuals and spectacle. Star Wars has not only spectacles and visual, it has meaningful characters, story, and philosophy. Um, yeah, okay, I certainly, I guess you could say, yeah, that the, the first Avatar was, you know, kind of simplistic and, you know, kind of, kind of predictable in that sense. Um, I think that, uh, the second Avatar really does a good job of, you know, kind of building that world out and, you know, kind of changing the expectations and really leaving you, uh, you know, questioning, I'm not going to get into like huge spoilers here in terms of Avatar 2, but kind of the way that it ends, you're not 100% sure of what's going to be happening next, which I, which I kind of like. Um, and I think, you know, in comparison to something like Star Wars, if you go back to A New Hope, you could watch it and say, yeah, that's, you know, <laughs> pretty linear, pretty, pretty predictable on that. So it's, it's really doesn't start getting, you know, more of its complications and more of its lore and world building, you know, until that world starts to get built up. And I think that that's kind of what we're starting to see now with Avatar 2. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like... Avatar kind of has maybe a bit more spirituality in its first um, movie, and it kind of continues in the second movie. And I think Star Wars, like, uh, with the Force, like, it kind of took, like, a few more movies to really kind of get the the depth that um, we, we see in the Force and the Jedi and Sith and everything, but... Um, I just hope that the next few iterations of Avatar uh, continue to kind of build and uh, build its depth, I guess. So, mm -hmm. yep. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So the final the final comment comes from Coden, who uh, used to be uh, one of the hosts here. So hello, Coden. Um, he says, that's a great question. I like how James Cameron spends time world building justifying the narrative i think this is something that the sequel star wars movie struggled with at the same time evident with this last movie i think he spent too much time with world building and exposition i thought the movie could have been shaved down at least 20 minutes and um he goes on to say also as much as we love stephen lang lol um side note that was his um fan cast for Trask Olgo and also I think he ended up saying like why can't Stephen Lang be everyone in Star Wars KOTOR <laughs> and I'm like fair enough because I have some fan casts where Danny DeVito plays every role in KOTOR and um, yeah and also A one man Rebo. show I like it so Max Rebo get him in yeah. there um and then continuing with Coden's thoughts they did something similar with resurrecting the previous villain, though it was better with Avatar. I thought they could have easily narratively had a second landing team with new characters. Um, before I continue with this thoughts, like, do you think like they did you kind of like that they resurrected Cortrich, uh, or do you think they could have had new characters? Um. I personally kind of liked that they um, they brought him back through kind of this cloning procedure because that felt like 
something very science fictiony and something like that could you know plausibly happen if you're having to you know put people to sleep for years and years and years to get to this uh, far distant away planet that seems as likely as them just sending a new slew of people uh to come and it seemed like they may have kind of pre-planned for that um i think we'll actually get a little bit more of kind of that backstory and and what led them to do it but i guess if if you're sending people up to go on a mission you might have some contingencies for you know if they die to be able to to bring them back you know in some sort of uh capacity or or not so i thought that that was good and then i think um again don't want to get into huge spoilers for the end but i think that um yeah kind of that character's story kind of will progress and we'll see um where that's able to go so yeah and I kind of like the fact that even death can't get them out of their contract with RDA. Like they'll just <laughs> yeah bring them back as keep, clones. You just you just keep coming back, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then uh, Coden continues. That would also explain how Earth didn't really learn their lesson. Trying to push out the Navi as a new landing team would be tasked with their operation, and I think it's like good to kind of like have those have those thoughts but i think like miles portrait like having him like come across his old body and crush his skull um and like mm-hmm. having the complication that spiders his son um it gets me interested to see like what's gonna happen in the future so yeah for sure it definitely you know kind of gives uh you know in a, in a story that you know kind of if if people have complaints about it, it's that it's a little thin. Like I find that stuff, you know, really interesting of, you know, what that, what that means if you're just, you know, memories implanted into someone else, does that mean that you are that person or not? You're just, you know, sharing these memories. And uh, that's kind of one of the things, yeah, that comes about with uh spider, his son uh, there, you know, um, in the film as well, you know, what that, what that really means. So um, yeah, I think that that stuff's interesting. And I think that, um, he's a good villain in that sense. And, um, you know, I think that if you're going to be having something span that, you know, several, several films, you need to have kind of an antagonist that's kind of, you know, doggedly pursuing, uh, your hero of the story. Um, because if not, then you're having to manufacture, uh, sort of a new villain every time. So. Yeah. And that was our, Last comment. I mean, we could continue on for like two hours to kind of make it <laughs> as long as the way of water if you want to, you know, but yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe our listeners absolutely. have things they need to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, kind of a different uh, Inspired a Galaxy episode. Um, and kind of just like I realized something is that kind of what got James Cameron into movies in the first place was watching the original Star Wars in 1977. So, um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like, I guess like Star Wars, um, inspired James Cameron and James Cameron has probably inspired Star Wars. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I mentioned it before that, you know, Avatar seems like a movie that George Lucas would, you know, would really like. I like to um, imagine that uh, anyways, and, you know, kind of the kind of the giveaways and 
uh, takeaways. And, um, you know, I kind of, I kind of alluded to it a, a couple of times, you know, through talking Cassia, but it seems to me like Avatar, you know, obviously it's this kind of big, huge behemoth of a blockbuster, right? The first one made close to $3 billion. The second one's already uh, a little over halfway uh, to that. We'll see um, kind of what it ends up with. But you have people that, that really seem to really like it, really be invested in this world and really enjoy going to see it. And then you have other people that also go to see it, but they kind of take enjoyment in uh, just yeah, <laughs> finding finding the negative about this uh, big giant behemoth. And it reminds me a lot of uh, kind of the reaction to A Phantom Menace when that came out. It was this big behemoth of a movie. It was, you know, the all-time, you know, box office uh, lead there, um, I think, when it overtook Titanic, I I believe, if my if my history is uh, correct on that. But, you know, it was something that everyone loved to go and see and really got sucked into, but it was also something that people like to complain about. <laughs> so, so I feel like, um, in that sense, they're very similar um, in comparing uh, Avatar and Star Wars. Yeah, and I think it's... Uh, I don't know, better to kind of look introspectively and be curious rather than to be like, this is so stupid, I'm going to take this down, you know? Um, <laughs> right. So yeah, hopefully sure. that's what we accomplished here today. So if you agree, disagree uh, with any of the comments, please... Uh, let us know. Uh, what do you think about Avatar? What do you think about Star Wars? You know, let us know. And is there anything else before we wrap up? Um, no, just in just in closing, um, Avatar 2 uh, was a movie that I liked a lot. Yeah. Um, I had I had a really good time seeing it. Uh, you and I are both fortunate enough to be able to see it in uh, IMAX 3D, uh, which is just like an absolute event uh there's so much stuff going on on the screen at all times like it boggles my mind that you know people could even like begin to think about how to put something like like this together so um yeah i i really enjoyed it i i really liked it and uh yeah now i'm now i'm back on the hook so i can't wait for the next one all right um instead of saying may the force be with you i will say i see you Inspired a Galaxy is an imprint of the ORP and can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Google Podcasts, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. And you can connect with the ORP on Twitter. It's at Old Republic Pod. And if you want to connect with me on Instagram, it's at Astro underscore Droid underscore. And the ORP and Inspired a Galaxy podcasts Patreon can be found under www.patreon.com forward slash older public podcast. The Inspired a Galaxy theme was composed by Alistair Shoreman. Alistair can be found at alistairsounds.wixsite.com forward slash Alistair Sounds. This episode of Inspired a Galaxy has been brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. May the force be with you. <laughs>